Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. Welcome to the podcast, Chloe. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jen. Thanks so much for being a part of this and for sharing your story to help others along their journeys. I'm always interested to know your diagnosis story, kind of what led you to even be seeking HSCT. Oh, so um, your podcast actually helped me a lot to oh, make the wow. decision. But so in Septem- September 2019, um, both my feet went numb Yikes. and I work in the medical field. And so I was like, Oh, I'm probably just on my feet too much. And then maybe like a week or two in, they were still numb. And I was like, Hmm, something's wrong. So I work with cardiologists. So I went around asking cardiologists why my feet were numb. Definitely not their expertise. Um, right. and they were like, Oh, are you, are you diabetic? And I'm like, Hmm. Nope, not diabetic. And they're like, okay, so it's maybe like the vitamin deficiency. And so I started taking like, I think vitamin B12. And after like two months, all my symptoms were gone. Like my feet were back to normal. And I was like, okay, cool. Interesting. Totally fine. Yeah. And so then I was, had no worries, no problems. And then travel, I'm kind of like a travel nurse, but I'm a travel radiographic technologist. And I work um, in different hospitals for 13 weeks. And so it's, it's a very high stress job because hospitals who need travelers need travelers for a reason. So it's either like not the best doctors, not the best staff, not the best pay and not the best management, something. Um, but it's always for a reason. And so in general, my job is stressful moving around and, filling in those gaps and everything. Um, so I finished my contract, um, at a hospital I really liked. Um, and then I was about to start another contract at another hospital and this hospital was extremely high stress and the staff was like kind of like bullies to me and they would sit there and watch me as I did exams and helped help the doctor and just sit there and do nothing to help and gave me like excessive amounts of call and it was extremely stressful. So yeah, that definitely don't, I think that contributed. So then January like 16th, I think my right thumb started going numb. And then like two days later, it was the whole right side of my body, like down to my torso. Mm. And I was like, this is weird, like pins and needles tingly weird feeling and so like so it was a Wednesday and so Friday my it was like numb to my torso and I was like I should probably go to the emergency department like something's wrong but of course I was on call that weekend so I couldn't go to the emergency department so we got called in for a case at like three in the morning on Saturday morning and is a doctor that is good at his job and we've been friends 
from other facilities and I was telling him my problems and he was like, I was like, my body's numb, like to my torso. And then we ended that procedure at about 6am and I was like, okay, so now all the way, my whole right leg is numb all the way down to my foot. Like the whole right side of my body is pins and needles tingly. And he was like, oh, it's just all in your head, like joking around with me. And I was like, yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it was, it was weird. Um, and then Saturday night got called in at like 11 and this doctor eh, is very unsure about his decisions. And so I did my training at Duke University and we were always taught like the more people that can have a say and the more ideas, the better, just because it's more brains thinking together. And so I was, I was told to voice my opinion when I think things weren't, weren't the best for the patient. So this doctor, we fixed, fixed this guy's heart and opened his artery and everything. And, um, we did something to show like the efficiency of his heart and it was great. Like it didn't show that his heart was damaged. And he was like, oh, I want to put this machine in to help him, to help him, um, his heart relax and not work so hard. And I'm like, but his mm. heart should be working and it's working great. And I know this is kind of just benefiting your pocket mm. is kind of why you're doing this. Um, and so I voiced my opinion and I said, I don't think that's what best for the patient and the patient was waking up and trying to yank out his ET tube and I feel like he would have yanked it's called a balloon pump like yanked out this pump and it would have caused more damage than it was worth and so I voiced my opinion he was very upset about it and at the end of the procedure he ended up not doing it and the patient did great so that was extremely stressful and that was probably like a seven hour case instead Mm. of normal two and a half three hours and I was like losing dexterity in my right hand at that point. So doing all the tiny little stents on the tiny little wires to put in his heart was extremely hard. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. That must've been terrifying. Yeah, it was, I felt bad. I mean, for myself and for the patient that I wasn't as fast as I should have been, but, um, but then thank goodness I got done with that case. I think at like six in the morning, Um, And then I tried to sleep and thankfully didn't get called in on Sunday. Um, And then Monday went back to work and I was scrubbing into a case and I was trying to put on my sterile gloves. And it took me like two minutes to put my sterile glove on my right hand because I could not feel it. I could not move it. It was very scary. And so I helped this doctor do like a diagnostic, an easy procedure. After the procedure, I took off my gloves and gown and, I walked up to a nurse practitioner and I was like, do you know what's going on with me? Like, I can't feel the right side of my body. And she was like, did you have a stroke? And I'm like, oh God, I hope hope that's not the case. Um, And she did her little assessment and she was like, you need to go down to the emergency department right away, Mm. right now. And so this was like, I don't know, maybe almost two months into my three month contract there. And so I went to the manager and I was like, I need to go, I need to talk to you. Cause she was like in a room with a bunch of people. And she was like, do you need to talk to me right now? As she's like checking her email. Oh. And I'm like, um, yeah, I guess I'll just tell you right now. I can't feel the right side of my body. I'm leaving. Like I'm going down to the emergency room. And she's like, Oh, um, I guess I like, she was really angry about it. Oh. So that didn't help. No, it um, exacerbates anyway. that stress. 
yeah. And yeah, I mean, she just definitely treated me like a traveler, um, which I guess they can, but yeah, that's unfortunate though. I mean, you're a human being. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so went down to the emergency room and tried to write my social security number. And it was like, I was a two year old. Like I could not write, could not use my right hand. Mm. Um, it was very scary. And so then they did an EKG and blood test or gave me an IV. And after a few hours, they sent me for an MRI. And so of course, like when I was on call, I, um, like Googled my symptoms cause who wouldn't. Um, right. uh, and it was like worst case scenario, like mm, brain tumor, best case scenario, pinched nerve and MS was right in the middle. And I was like, I can't have MS. It's not in my family history. I don't even really fully know what it is. Like that's definitely not it. Right. And, um, so he sent me for an MRI and I was like, all right, well this will give me some answers. And I went to school for MRI, but I just specialized in cardiac cath lab. Um, and so I was like trying to hint at the MRI people cause they, you know what you see, like sure. you can tell yeah. the patient, but we can't in America. Um, and so I was like trying to hint at them to like, tell me what they saw. Um, didn't, didn't help. <laughs> they didn't give anything up. And so maybe like three or four hours later, the doctor came in and said, you have MS. And I said, and I started crying and he showed me my MRIs. He showed me my six lesions on my brain and my two on my C-spine. And was like, these are probably from the active lesions on your C-spine. And um, gave me a bunch of steroids and let me go home. And I probably couldn't use my right hand for probably two months. Like I had to write with my left hand. Mm. Um, my, My boyfriend had to um, helped me fill out paperwork when I went to doctor's appointments. He like braided my hair. I was like, wow, I feel like such an invalid. And it was awful. I was like, I felt so capable like two weeks ago. And now I, all of a sudden. Yeah. But I'm, the doctor's like, Oh, we can, um, we can give you like a spinal tap. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Like this is enough answer for me. Sure. Um, I mean, I can see my lesions and, And so ironically, I called the doctor from Friday night, who was my friend. And I was like, or I texted him while I was in the emergency department after I found out. And I was like, you are so right. It was all in my head. I have MS, like called it. Um, And he called me and he was like, I'm so sorry. I should have made you go to the emergency department. I'm so sorry. And he like got me hooked up with a neurologist who was his friend like the next day. Oh, good. Which I'm grateful for. Um, but I went to this neurologist and he was like, Oh my God, I wish you were here yesterday. Cause I had this student and you're like the perfect MS case. Uh, and I'm like, cool. Like just what you want to hear. Mm. Like, I was like, mm, yeah. So then I went to a university in the area. So I was like, they're probably up and coming and you know, they're probably ahead of the game and everything. And well, gosh, it must've been difficult because you're on the road. So you don't really like, you can't just go back to your regular doctor. Yeah. And I haven't had a regular, I've been a traveler for about four, four and a half years. So I just try not to get sick. And so, sure. Um, yeah. So the the first neurologist was like, Ocrevus, Ocrevus, Ocrevus. And I was like, okay, yeah, like that seems like an option. And I 
read online about how you lose your hair and how it works for a certain amount of time and how it's so new and just all these negative things. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go to university and this doctor is probably like up and coming and knows her stuff. And she's like, Okervis, Okervis, Okervis. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I guess this is really the way to go. Like, this is, this is the thing. Um, and so did more research and I didn't love it. And one of my old friends from maybe like three or four, four years ago found out I had MS and he was like, oh, my doctor friend had really bad MS and went to Dr. Burt and had HSCT and it's a great procedure and you should really look into it. Mm. And so I was like, okay. So I looked into it and I was like, oh my God, that's way too extreme for me. Like I cannot do that. Um, I'll figure out an easier way. Cause I went on Facebook and all these, there's all these sites about natural, like dairy-free, gluten-free, no sugar, blah, blah, blah. And I'm all better. And I have no symptoms. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what I'm going to try. Like no meds. And I'll try this all natural thing. That sure. seems great. And so I already had celiac disease. So no, no gluten there. So I was good on that. Um, cut out dairy and most sugar, pretty much all sugar. Um, so I found out I was diagnosed one 2020 and I told my dad and after this contract, we were planning a trip to New Zealand, but he pretty much heard that in, in the back of his mind, he was like, Oh, you're going to end up in a wheelchair. Like that's all he knew about MS. Oh, so he was like, we're going to New Zealand ASAP. So we went, I used to live in Australia. So we went and visited people in Australia and then went to New Zealand for about a month and a half. And like, that's when COVID really hit in America. Oh, wow. Um, and we, we were on the last flight home from New Zealand before they closed the borders. Wow. And I was like, should we have stayed? I don't know. Um, but I had no <laughs> issues. No. So I had my numbness in the right side of my body for about two months and then went to New Zealand I mean, maybe a few weeks before I went, my symptoms were gone. And in New Zealand, just because they have no GMOs, nothing super processed, I had no no symptoms. Wow. Like I felt great. Um, and so I definitely think that food has – and I was not stressed. It was vacation. Right. So. right. Yeah, that's um, also huge. Yeah, so um, – I was grateful for that experience and I came back and I was like, cool, I'm going to start like applying for real jobs, less stressful being a traveler. And I applied for a few and I don't know if it was good or bad, but I did say I had MS and I didn't get the jobs. Um, and then the left side of my body started going numb and that's when I was like, okay, this all natural mm. thing isn't working. So I went back to the doctor and he was like, Ocrevus. Oh, I went to another, this is my third neurologist. Um, and they just kept pushing Ocrevus. And they're like, we have this study where we put it in your adipose tissue and it's new and upcoming. And I was like, uh, maybe. And I was close to doing it. And then I read that the university was a part of a HSCT trial. And I was like, yes. And I called up my neurologist. I said, I want to do that. I want to do the HSCT trial. And they're like, oh, yeah, so you have to fail off of two meds before oh, you get on that right. trial. And I was like, cool, I don't want to be that disabled because everyone in HSCT, like Facebook and all your podcasts, 
say the sooner you do it, the better, like right. the quicker, yeah, quicker recovery. And so I was like, cool, um, I'm not going to do that. And so I joined all these Facebook groups about HSCT and I started the, I probably listened to one or two podcasts of yours daily. Um, cause it's a massive decision. Like, yes, I was 29. I didn't know if I wanted kids or not. Um, I didn't, I didn't know if it, you never know if it's the right answer. Um, and so pretty much your podcast and what people said on Facebook made me make the decision to do it. And there was a woman, I forgot her name, but she reached out to me and she's like, if you have any questions, I got it done in Russia. No regrets. It was amazing. Um, you know, just like, was that extra push for me? Mm. So I was like, Oh, I really think I want to do it. And so mm, my boyfriend wasn't very supportive of the issue. Um, just cause he didn't do much research on it in his, uh, brother-in-law is a doctor and he's like oh no we asked him and he's like oh no I knew a kid who did it for um blood cancer and he died so yeah don't do it oh wow that's a very limited view yeah I was like cool and then I told my neurologist that I was thinking about it and he's like nah you're gonna die and I was like cool thank you like it was yeah definitely not very good in the medical world um and so what really gave me the the final answer was that we were going to go to Grand Tetons to do like a three or four day backpacking trip. And on the way there, I was driving and my vision started going double Yikes. and I couldn't drive. There was like two cars when there was really one. And Oh, that's scary. It, it was so scary. And so I went to the emergency department there. And of course, there was no neurologist. Of course, the MRI machine was broken. Um and he just gave me these like drinkable steroids and he made me sign a piece of paper that I wouldn't go rural hiking. And I was like, this is the Grand Tetons. Like what? <sighs> it was frustrating. So they all went backpacking and I stayed in the hotel and, and I drank my drinkable, drinkable steroids every day. And, but it was fine. It was all good. Yeah. That during that process, I decided to start a fundraiser and, my parents were very supportive and I said, I can't live like this. I'm scared every day to wake up and be like, what's not working today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to live my life like that. Like I'm wasn't even 30. And so I got some money together and, um, my dad helped me pay for quite a bit of the treatment. And when everyone, I was very hesitant to to go to Mexico. Everyone's like Mexico for medical treatment. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds weird. And it was like Mexico, Russia. And it's like prime COVID time. Um, it was like September. Right. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And so they were closed for a little while. And so I decided, um, October was when I was going to go. So I went there. I turned 30 on my second to last chemo day. Oh, wow. Um, so that was, that was a definitely, I definitely wanted to be out of the country for my 30th birthday. Well, there you go. Happy I, birthday. Yeah. I was thinking Thailand, but that's fine. You, you. you won't forget this experience for sure. Oh, I definitely won't. No. So did you not. go to Puebla or Monterrey? I went to Monterrey because of my celiac disease and I just, I was still doing like minimal to no dairy and just the fact of 
making your own food seemed like a better option for me. Sure. Um, it was very hard because we couldn't go to the grocery store. So we had, um, one of their team members go to the grocery store. And one time, um, we were like, Oh, we want beef hamburgers. And he brings back beef hamburgers. And then I took my mom with me and we're Jewish. And so we had a hamburger and it was definitely like 80% pork Mm. and like 20% beef. And so it was, it was very interesting, but, um, there was six of us in my group and there was another girl who was also 29, um, who turned 30 in December. And so, oh wow, um, yeah, it was, it was good to be there with them and we still all keep in touch and yeah, it was definitely an experience. It was, it was good and went home and recouped and it was weird because you hear all these traumatic things not traumatic but all these scary things on Facebook about um like the pain and I will say the the shots were painful um to get your stem cells out of your bone marrow sure um but I had one day of bone pain but I really think that every day I would journal because I think that I needed to mentally get everything out and yeah that's how every single day yeah, I needed, I just needed to stay in a positive mindset. And every day, um, I worked out every day I would do like a, we'd walk around cause it was COVID. We'd walk around the apartment, um, like the outside of the apartment complex. And then every day I would either do like a yoga or a hit workout or, um, some sort of Pilates, something in the apartment. And I think that kept me mentally sane and physically healthy because I really had no I didn't throw up I didn't I had one day of bone pain um, and that was yeah and I'm great so grateful for yeah movement helps a lot I think with bone pain yeah I definitely I moved every day and I'm and it was funny because like one of the other people there had a caretaker and she wanted to go walking and I was like yeah I'll go walking with you and she was like, oh, yeah, no, my caretaker won't let me um, leave the apartment. She won't let me. She says all I need to do is sleep because that's oh. what will heal my body. Oh. And I was like, I think you need to move it. Like, I'm I'm doing good. And I'm, I move my body for, like, at least an hour, 30 minutes to an hour every day, like, not including the walk. And I just think, you know, you're cooped, you're cooped up in an apartment for 28 days and you go out to, like, get your pick line in. And you go out to get your stem cells out and get your stem cells in and for chemo. But other than that, you're literally stuck in a right. little apartment. And so I think to keep your sanity, you need to keep moving and everything like that. So get some fresh air. Yeah, definitely. So I, yeah, I don't feel any um, symptoms now. I'm so grateful. And I actually just had an MRI. I got it a little early, but I was excited um, um, last week and I had no new lesions and no active lesions. I'm hoping my next MRI says that my lesions shrank, but I'm so grateful that they're not progressing. They're not active. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because from January MRI to my September MRI, I think I had like two or three more lesions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, 
active. I'm ecstatic. Yeah. I'm, they better never come back. They can stay, stay away forever. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole point, right? Is that halting the progression. And so for those of us who had a longer experience with like from diagnosis to HSCT, um, mm-hmm. some of those lesions maybe stop enhancing, but they become permanent mm-hmm. scars, right? Or like I have black holes in my brain. So that's joyful. Yeah, but hey, at least there's no more holes. Exactly. And no more lesions, no more scars. It's not active. And that's the whole point. And so, yeah, it's great, I think, to find HSCT so soon after diagnosis because you, like, you don't end up with those long-term effects of the disease. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for the people who reached out and for, I never thought Facebook was really that helpful except to just for drama and people (laughs) watching and stuff, but it's definitely opened my eyes and your podcast really opened my eyes. And I think that that's the whole thing is that it needs to be more well-known. It needs to be out there because it's such a hidden secret. Yes. And doctors don't know about it or what little they do know is fearful. Yeah, exactly. Like my doctor said, you're going to die. You're going to die. And then they told me that I could do the trial at this university, but um, I had to fail off two meds. So I don't want to get that far into disability. And also it's a 50, 50% chance you're getting HSCT right? or just it's that's crazy. That's yeah. So I was not, I was not about to do that. So I am glad that America is slowly, slowly looking at HSCT and I'm glad that Dr. Burt did it in America, but it was very, like your case was very special and different. And I feel like it has to be very severe and I don't think it should be like that. Right. I think we should have access to make that informed decision earlier in that diagnosis. Yes. Yeah. It's not everyone will choose HSCT, right? And that's okay. Yeah. And some people love the meds and sometimes the meds work for them and that's good. And, but just to, this seems so much more permanent to me than the medications that they have. So, right. Because even that is taking a chance of, you know, if it will work with your chemistry and makeup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or will your hair fall out and you still get lesions and you, you know, all these other bad things happen on top. Like, we don't need any right. more symptoms than what MS gives us. So. Right. We don't need to deal with anything in addition. Yeah. Because, and I mean, there's so much unknown even with the lesions and where they attack, right? And what yeah, they Yeah, and what activates them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's And knowing that Mexico has done this for about 20 years and hearing your podcast interviews um, about people who have gotten this done 16, 20 even five years ago and feel great. I was like, okay, I'd rather do that and wake up feeling great every day or with a much higher chance of feeling great every day than dreading my next infusion or anything like that. I just, and you know what, if this doesn't work, which it will, it will work. You can always fall back on the meds. Like they'll always be there. Right. But, but why not take this chance first why not 
take pretty much the most promising chance. Like for our RMS, 85% effective. I'm definitely willing to take that chance. The odds are in our favor, right? Yes, I agree. And I'm the more I'm a part of the HSCT Facebook group and community, um, the more I'm finding people are doing it early and earlier. Like one of some woman I met on the group is from the tiny town that I lived in in Australia. Oh wow! Didn't didn't know her, but she was diagnosed in July and got HSCT in December. Oh wow! And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And um, so we've stayed in touch, and hopefully I'll go hiking and meet her one day because that'd be amazing. I definitely think this it brings us together as a family because it is not a common experience. <laughs> no, very significant, and it helps I think to just connect with others who have been there and gone through it. Yeah, and and I love that you bring us together and show people stories and. It's yeah, I definitely think your podcast, I told the people in Mexico, I was like, you should listen to this podcast. People <laughs> say good things about you guys because they didn't even know about it. I was like, really? That's crazy. Oh, there's yeah. been quite a few people. Like the staff and the workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully they'll listen in because well, what they I do just, is pretty remarkable. And Indeed it is. And it's been amazing to work with them to do like the webinars that we've hosted just to shine a light, right, and help people realize this is a trusted medical facility with reputable doctors and nurses and a great care team and good food and not to be feared. And I think it helps, or maybe it helped you just in your experience as a traveler, right, and your familiarity mm -hmm. with traveling for medical care, or to even offer medical care that it's not something to be feared. Yeah, so that was my thing is like, I have been a traveler for a while and I'm sadly so scared of Western medicine and so scared of our healthcare system in America because sadly I have doctors haven't listened to me and I have helped assist doctors in doing very in essentially killing people um just out of pure stupidity um which breaks my heart because I was always taught to treat your patient like it was your parent sure. and have that respect and make those decisions like it was your parent. And some doctors are, um, don't think like that. They just think financially and, um, not logically. So it scared the crap out of me because I know everything about your heart and cardiac and everything, but I don't know anything about your brain in being diagnosed with this mm. scared me so much. And so putting my, I mean, I um, honestly, I'm kind of grateful that it was Mexico because, and I'm sure there's great neurologists. I know there's great neurologists out there, but the fact that my neurologists were like, oh yeah, you're going to die. You're going to die. Like that def definitely didn't help anything um, for me. So I was very scared, extremely scared when, because I'm, you know, you're used to taking care of sick patients. You're not used to right. being the sick patient. Mm. So it was definitely role reversal um, in like putting in a, getting a pick line put in. I was like, oh yeah, I've done this a hundred times. Right. And I was like, but it's different when you're the one uh, getting it done. And we definitely never got pro, like gave our patients propofol and have it be a surgery. 
But I did love that in Mexico. They gave you a little bit of propofol, best 20-minute nap of your life, mm-hmm. and they were great. They were so great. So everyone does it differently, but right. I will say it was scary, but it definitely has all worked out extremely well. And that's so amazing. And I hope it does for everyone else. I just want this to be successful and I want people to know about it. I just want it to be an option because it is such a good option. Like there's so many drugs and so many things and all natural. And I think it should, it should be just in line with, because I told my doctors, I was like, can I go all natural? She's like, "Mm, yeah, there's nothing proven about that. No, I wouldn't do it. I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's obviously not going to help your paycheck. I get it. (laughs) They'll hide behind the data and the evidence base, but then let's look at the statistics for HSCT and let's look at the Mm -hmm. evidence base for HSCT. (laughs) It's out there. They don't want to. And they don't want to. Because it's not, it's not done in America. So they can't, they can't do it. And it's crazy how behind the times America is. I remember when I worked in Australia three, mm, I think three, two years later, Two and a half or three years later, we were getting a stent and I was working at Duke University and they're like, oh my gosh, we're the first place in America to use this stent. And I'm like, wow, they've been using the stent for probably like five years mm. in Australia. Like it's not even a thing anymore. Um, so it's, it is interesting how, how they have to have all this proof from other places before they even try to attempt it. And then they go on and attempt it themselves. It is very, very interesting. It's it's a bit scary. But I will say, like, I give a lot of my recovery and my ease of the procedure to keeping my body moving. So if I could tell anyone how to make it easier, um, and it doesn't have to be extreme, like, sweaty or running or anything. Like, it can just be yoga. Like, the day I had extreme bone pain, I um, did like in 30 minutes of stretches and stretching workouts in that helped my bone pain so much, just getting my muscles moving. And so definitely keep moving is what I would have to tell people. Yeah. I was going to ask, well, so many questions. I feel like you've answered, like, why was it important for you to participate in the podcast and what would you offer as advice to anyone in a similar situation? Um, you're answering them for me. Perfect. I mean, I've literally listened to so many of your podcasts that I could. Right. You know, um, the flow, which is amazing. And I appreciate you listening. And I'm so glad that it helped you because that was my intention from the beginning is just helping to illuminate so many different experiences can help us paint our own understanding, right? Going into it and maybe alleviate some of the anxiety. A hundred percent. And I have, I know some, some other people with MS who are fine on meds and I'm they've had a few flare-ups and I said well if you're ever interested in the procedure I got like yes I don't have hair anymore I mean, it's coming back very very well and it uh, will a lot like, more gray yeah gray oh gray. yeah mine grew <laughs> in more gray than anything but it's not as gray now three and a half years later oh really mm-hmm. mm, it okay, won't be gray that's forever Okay. Well, my hair has been pretty gray since 18. So, well, then maybe it will be, maybe that's your color. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a cool in thing or hair dye is always an option. It's always been an option. So 
could always go back to that. But yeah, I'm, if that's the worst thing is that I lost my hair, then, and I never have to experience this awful disease again. I, you can take my hair forever. I don't even ever need to grow back. I don't care. Right. Right. Well, that uncertainty, like waking up and just all of a sudden, I know I woke up one day and was numb from the waist down and was like, what is going on? Yeah. It's, it's so scary. Yeah. It's not anything, even my worst enemy does not deserve this disease. It is so scary. No. And then I actually later on found out that it was in my family history. Not that it is, it's like 3% hereditary, but I later on found out that I guess my great aunt that I've never met got it in her fifties. And I'm like, Oh, that's cool. But everyone says like all the doctors are like, Oh, you have any family history of MS? And I'm like, Nope. And they're like, before I was diagnosed and they're like, Oh, then it's probably not MS. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm with you. Like, it's definitely probably not MS. And I know that it's not, I mean, it is 3% hereditary. Um, but I also think it has so much to do with what we put in our bodies and, um, how we move our bodies and how we treat our bodies and, and stress. I mean, yeah, exactly. And I know they call you Zen Jen. Uh-huh. So you're like the perfect person for this, but I think I've definitely gotten much more into meditation and just taking time for myself instead of always being in a rush. Cause mm. my, my job was always rush to get to work, rush to get all the patients done, you know, be on call, get called in at two in the morning, come back at seven, do it all over again. It's not a healthy lifestyle. That's very high stress. And so do you have a new job? Oh, I don't actually. I just came back from Oregon to Colorado, um, maybe three days ago. Um, so I will be applying for jobs and I'm think I'm going to stay away from as much as I loved. I did love taking care of patients and I did love my job and it was very rewarding minus the stress and so many more places on my list. Like I really want to go to Austin, Texas and do a travel assignment there. And I'd love to go back to Montana. And, um, I just think that for my mental health, I don't want to test anything that will bring this back. Um, so I think I'm going to start applying for jobs in like MRI actually and in mammography. Yeah. Just like nine to five, like a nine to five job. Don't take it home. Um, I definitely think mammography would be, I would like the connection that you get with your patients because in the cath lab, no offense, but I see your wrist or I see your groin. I don't see, I don't see your face. Um, and then, then I get to see your heart on, on x-ray, but I don't get to get to know you or anything like that. There was a few patients I did, but it's very minimal. Um, and I love that connection and knowing that I can help make things easier and more comfortable. And so I think a lower stress job is what I'm going to, going to head towards. I think that would be a great way to support yourself in your recovery. Yeah, I think still medical because I do love helping people, but. Sure. So do you have any like other doubts or reservations about the road ahead? Mm, I mean, I'm still a teensy bit scared. Like, did it work? Did it like, is it going to work? You know, when is it going to stop working? And um, I've heard some things from other HSCT people who recently got it done. And they're like, oh, now I have numbness in my feet. And I'm like, oh, that's, and they're like, that's not a symptom I had before. But at the end of the day, I'm so grateful that I 
wake up every day with not any symptoms and I work out every day and I just try to keep my head up and keep all the negativity away. And I do try to help the people who have new symptoms. Um, but I, overall I would do it. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And if it doesn't work, this sounds a bit crazy because I don't know if it's an option. Um, I would even do it again. Like if I relapsed, I would do HSCT again. There are, I have such belief in it. Yeah. Well, there are people that have gone through a second transplant. I'm not sure the extent to which it's been successful. And I would love to interview someone who's been through it twice on the podcast just yeah. to share that story. Um, yeah. I don't, is it an, it's an option? Well, like I know, I believe Dr. Federenko has transplanted someone twice, maybe not okay. the first transplant, but offered the mm-hmm. second. Uh, okay. I want to say Clinica Ruiz has also transplanted someone twice. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think that sadly it's a better option than the drug than the medicine that well, we have. Yeah. Because again, you, you're rolling the dice to take the chance to see if the chemistry works with your body Mm -hmm. and you have to wait for a while to see if it works. Right. And then exactly. You're incurring damage and new lesions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it could last like five years, 10 years, like the people on your podcast, some 20 years, like it, it could last forever or it could, I would be ecstatic if it lasted, you know, even 10 years. I mean, it will, it's going to last forever and it will last forever. For, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think you just have to keep believing that. Yeah, I definitely keep believing that. But I think it would be interesting to see, because I know that the studies are like 85% effective, I think for three to five years. But then after that, there's not much evidence. Right. Because the challenge is that Dr. Burt, say, had his clinical trial window open Mm-hmm. And treated a certain number of people. And in order to get mm-hmm. the statistical significance of that follow-up, you need people to actually follow up and follow through on returning and doing the MRIs to be part of the data. He's bound in the limitations of the people who actually then come back, right? Or mm, that share definitely makes the sense. data. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that- like Mexico has their own data there. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say um, anecdotal because it's patient reported, right? But I mean, there's issues with self-reported data anyway, but they can summarize longer-term efficacy. So you'll get follow-up surveys, um, Mm -hmm. right, regularly. And as long as you continue to complete them and send them back, right, then that that feeds their data pool. When patients drop out of that collection, Mm -hmm. then, then like that creates limitations. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know um, if they even do send you stuff past five years. I don't know. There's no um, evidence on it. So right. I mean, you're right. It could be people either dropping out and being like, cool, I'm good. So I don't need to report back or cool. I'm not good. So I'm not going to report back. So that's, right. yeah, that's very interesting. That's a good point. I think you had some guy on here that was like a hockey hockey teacher for high school or something. Barry Gowdy. Yeah. And he, gosh, that's impressive. You remember that. Um, And I think he was like 20 years post and he was doing amazing. And I was like, Mm -hmm. cool. If I can do that too, then 
that's great. Like I want to get it done as soon as possible. Right. And, you know, just forget 2020 was an awful year for everyone. So that definitely just took the cake with having the MS on top of it. So Indeed. you just want to completely forget 2020 in every angle. Or just, yeah, take it as those learning experiences. Yeah, it was, I am grateful that I got out of medicine like a month before COVID hit because I think the stress of COVID would have not been good for the MS. Um, so I think everything does happen for a reason to an extent. Oh, yeah. Um, and well, I'm, because, yeah, you stopped or you took your trip to New Zealand, right? And so yeah. you kind of mm-hmm. ended your contract and then didn't take a new one. Yeah. And I was just too scared and very hesitant to, to – I can't put myself in that situation and be like, oh, I'm going to 100% be there when a patient is dying and I need to do compressions and, you know – and my when right I, arm when isn't working, feel. right? Yeah, exactly. I can't yeah. write my name. That's yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if I can help someone else's life if I can't do my own life correctly. So it's a lot. It's a huge burden to bear. Yeah, it's it's massive. But I would I would tell anyone with MS that this is the way to go, and definitely to keep your body moving before. I think before treatment during treatment and after treatment, just Mm. keep, keep your body moving. And I think that helped so much, um, with my recovery and with, cause I didn't have any issues post trans. The only issue I had was that it was too foggy to fly into where I lived. And so I had to spend the night (laughs) at an airport in San Francisco. But I mean, that was a bit scary with a minimal immune system, but yeah, other than that, put you in a hotel. No, nope. They said that it's weather related, so they couldn't do anything to help us. So oh wow! They're like, um, thank goodness, in the international. Actually, that sweet lady from Australia saw that I was stuck in San Francisco, and she's like, "They have rooms for rent um, in the international terminal," and so I spent 150 bucks for like five hours of sleep because he had to be gone by 6 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Um, to just get a little room with a bed. And I was like, at least I can take my mask off and, you know, I'm not in the middle of the airport. Right, um, and sleep. But, yeah, but if you but if you ever get stuck in San Francisco, they do have expensive. And it's like, I think, like 30 bucks more to take a shower. So I didn't take a shower. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the plane didn't give us our bags or anything. They're like, oh, we're just going to leave tomorrow morning just stay here and didn't give us Yikes. hotels, nothing. So that was really the biggest drama of my post recovery. And yeah, just stayed active and ate, ate healthy and I haven't had any issues. And now I'm looking, looking at getting into the back into the workforce. That's amazing. And so you mentioned that your boyfriend was skeptical at best. Mm-hmm. Did he come around? Mm-hmm. Did he come on board? He did. He thankfully did. He was pulling a few teeth, definitely. Oh, but um, thankfully your family was on board and your mom went with you. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I could have, I don't think I could have made the decision I made without my, both my parents being and my sister being very on board with the whole thing. But I think it was that he didn't do the research and my parents my family very much so looked into it and did the research and listened to your podcast pretty religiously as well. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, 
you're definitely speaking to a lot of people with and without MS. You're helping make a lot of good decisions. So, um, so. yeah, I think, I think you are a hundred percent. And I, I spread, spread the word of your podcast to everyone. Um, just cause there's nothing negative about it. Like it's the way you present and the way that you, um, interview people and what people have to say is pretty much all positive in even if it's not all positive, it's, tr- it's the truth. Right. And that's what people need to know, the yes. good, the bad, and the ugly. And the and genuine so, experience. Yeah. 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 They don't need to know, you know, the statistics and what it looks like on paper. And I think people need to know from a real person what their experience was. And it's so interesting, like how they say it's a snowflake disease and everyone's different and everything like that. And it's so true. Your podcast are always different and always bring something else new and different to the table and keep you thinking. And I mean, if I listened to your podcast, I would have been pretty intrigued, but the fact that I listened to an excessive amount, um, it just made it way more clear for me to make the decision that I made. And I try to be fair and objective and stick to facts yeah, but also you... illuminate the fact that HSCT is not shared or known about by too many people. Which is nuts. <laughs> it is so nuts to me. That is, it makes me wonder like how many other options are better options that we don't know about. Mm. It's like there's so many autoimmune diseases and there's so many health issues that, and this it, the weird thing is in America, this has been going on for so long for blood cancer. Like this is a thing in America. Right. Like, why can't they right. bring it to to MS? Right. And scleroderma and lupus. And yeah. Oh, so much. So many autoimmune diseases. Yeah. And I don't, the facts are there. They have the facts. They can, they can look at other countries, but they can look at themselves and say it cures cancer. It can cure so many autoimmune diseases. It's, it's shocking to me. Shocking indeed. And your um, lens is certainly, I think, not colored by your experience, but mm-hmm. certainly informs um, yes. the opinion, right? That mm-hmm. it should be your opinion that it should be known and practiced more regularly. Because I you agree. see that Facilities are already offering this procedure to other patients. Yes. The research is there. It's just, it doesn't make sense why it's not available to more people with autoimmune disease. No, it doesn't. And it really makes you, makes me, um, and I think everyone should be their own best advocate for their health because doctors know what they know and they, they're taught things and they're not taught all natural. They're not taught like anything about diet or nutrition or anything, like, very minimal, just a few hours. And you know your body, your doctor is listening to your symptoms, but you know what's right and wrong for you. And I definitely think that being part of the cardiac world, most doctors have your best interest at hand and some doctors are in it for the money. And so you need to be the one to step back and say, is this the best decision for me? Should I be listening to my doctor or should I seek out other advice? Because I think medical school is so extensive and all these little extra added drugs and stuff they can add on definitely helps them. 
not saying that they're bad. Um, I know a lot of good doctors, but I just think that everyone needs to be their own best advocate. They need to treat their bodies the best. And then when there's something wrong, they need to step back and figure out if this is the path that they want to go on. Sure. It's amazing that you were able to connect with the ER and the MRI so quickly after you experienced those issues because so many people... And that's part of the suffering, Years. right? It's like you have to wait for months just to see a doctor to talk about yeah. the spell I had a couple months ago, you know? And then it's like, okay, yeah. well, then let's schedule an MRI. And then that's another couple weeks. And then it's another couple weeks before you get the results. And then it's like, if you get your diagnosis or yes. once you get your diagnosis, then it's like, okay, well, here's some options for you to consider like four exactly. drug pamphlets and it's like mm-hmm. I can't be all there and you're is. just so overwhelmed yes yes there's so much time between those like experiencing yeah. the symptoms and then once people get diagnosed yeah after listening to your podcast I was like oh years like people it takes years and years and I felt so bad for them and I was so unbelievably grateful that it was so quick I should have really gone in September and not been so stubborn and found out when my feet went numb that I probably had some lesions, but I was stubborn and I was like, oh, I'll be fine. And Well, and the first instinct was diabetes, right? I mean, I was tested twice for diabetes and in my 16 years of struggling and wondering what was going on, I did two different screenings for diabetes and they were both like negative. Yeah. And you're like, how, you know, that you weren't diabetic, like you didn't right. you treated your body well, you ate were right, you know, like, that couldn't have been it. Doctors also told me it's all in your head. You need to go see yes. a psychotherapist. You're like, thank you. That's not, right. not the answer. I don't know how it's not more, more of an option. Like, it's so put off from your podcast. I've seen that it is not a first resort, not even like a fifth resort option to get an MRI and look for MS. Like you said, doctors know what they study, certain Mm -hmm. books, and whatever Mm -hmm. is in that book is what they know. And until they get in the real world and start learning from others, then their horizons expand. But that's why we need to get the word out to more doctors to just be aware and do their own research and homework like we have, right? I just wish that it was homework. They all had to listen to your podcast. Like <laughs> you have to listen to one of these podcasts a week, because I really want to go to my doctors that told me I was going to die and be like, yes. "I'm doing great. I lost my hair, but I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm alive." And I know that it's not just a doc. I mean, the doctor definitely scared me and said I was going to die, which is their issue, and they shouldn't be saying that. Right. So I know that they can't go to the hospital management and be like, okay, so I want to do HSCT. We're going to do it. Like I know it's right. there's way more to it than of course. some doctors believing, but at least it's a step and at least it's not scare the crap out of your patient and tell them they're going to die if they don't give you money and get on your meds. Right. It's, it's just, yeah, I get it that there's more to it, but I don't, there's more that they could give as well. I hope that it's a common thing soon. There's so much to be said for the culture in America. Like we grow up hearing, you know, listen to your doctor, follow doctor's Mm -hmm. orders. Yes. And there's something to be said for that. But there's also something to be said with like doing your own research, right? 
Yes. Obtaining other opinions. Yes. And I think maybe back in the day, number one, I mean, we didn't have the internet and we didn't have Facebook and we didn't have podcasts. So what else could you do but to listen to your doctor? And number two, I think that um, I want to say that doctors weren't so like one set, one mind stream. Like I think that they were a little bit more, I'll listen to my patient and I'll weigh out options. I think that now they're just, their specialty has made them kind of a one track mind Mm, type thing. That makes sense. Um, Which is not the best. I definitely think they should have some sort of nutritional and functional medicine in their, in their schooling. Cause I think what we eat, it's crazy how everything needs to be FDA approved in America, but our food, no, we can eat all the junk food in the world. It's, they give us food to make us sick to keep our medical bills Mm. up. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't get that. I definitely think that what we put in our bodies and how we treat our bodies has a lot to do with our autoimmune diseases. Like celiac disease, was that even a thing 50 years ago? I don't, I think it's because we processed the crap out of our wheat and, you know, they, we wanted to make so much of it. So we added all these GMOs and I think that we're, we're doing this not deliberately, but through our lifestyles, I think that we're creating more chaos and it definitely seems like the number and rate of autoimmune disease has increased. Yeah. And maybe it's just not, it wasn't reported or maybe it's the food, the processed food we put in our bodies. Well, and even if it isn't the processed food, like I did genomic sequencing a couple back in November with my doctor and just going through the results and my genetic uh, mutations. Mm -hmm. I don't create um, catalase, which is the complement to glutathione in order to help your body process cellular waste. I had no idea, would not have known it until we did the genomic Mm -hmm. sequencing, right? Like I'm doing intermittent fasting and I'm thinking I'm doing the right thing to promote autophagy and sloughing off the old and creating new and building my Mm -hmm. new immune system. Had no idea. I was like missing this other factor to help. Massive part. (laughs) Right. And so now that we know that, and now that I'm taking a new supplement, I feel so much better. I have more energy. I'm sleeping better. Like it's That's amazing. truly incredible. Like the, even just the reduction in inflammation is significant. And I'm like, who would have thought, right? But like, yeah, no one. A functional doctor, have. functional medicine doctor who thinks to look, right? And like, yeah, until that becomes a more regular practice for us to better understand what is our genetic makeup and how is our environment yes. and what we eat interacting with that. Mm-hmm with that genomic sequencing, until we can start getting to that micro level of function, we'll be ever trapped in disease. And I think that we can, like, I think functional, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. But I think functional medicine doctors should be paid under insurance. They should be covered under insurance. Yes. They are not. They actually want to get to the cause of what is going on instead of just cover everything up with meds, like being part of the medical world for quite some time I've noticed like, oh, you have this issue. We're going to give you this med, but it's going to cause these side effects. And then you're going to be on these meds. And soon you'll be taking six meds when you took none. Like, and that was another thing with MS. Like once I'm on this one drug, I think it's just going to lead me to more drugs. And the fact that yes, I'm on 
a few drugs for six months, but then I never have to do it again. I'm hundred percent for it. I don't take those and I don't, I don't want to like supplements. Great. That's fine. And so I think, I think it has a lot to do with our government, sadly. Um, and the medical and the money with the the drugs and big pharma and all that. And functional medicine doctors get a lot deeper and get to the core of what's going on. And I think it's absolutely amazing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome to know that, that your functional medicine doctor is doing amazing work. She's amazing. It's rewarding. I'm so grateful to be connected with her. If you feel great and you know what was wrong and now it's right, then definitely worth, worth the money. It's an investment in our health and what, what greater investment is there, right? Than health and well-being and feeling good. I agree. And you want to live the best life and you can't do that when you're just living on meds and not feeling your best. So not at all. Definitely not for that. So So it sounds like you've had an amazing experience so far with HSCT. Is there a superpower that you gained? Mm, I've been thinking about this question. (laughs) Um, I, there's so many things that HSCT has given me. Um, I mean, I feel more powerful and definitely more at peace. I think maybe the superpower that it's given me is to love myself more is the main one. That's huge. Just because I'm so grateful for, you never know, like a year and a half ago, I never would have known um, how weird it was to not feel, not be able to use my right hand. That wasn't even an option. Like, and so I'm, I'm just grateful for my body being hundred percent and it just makes, makes me love myself more, I think. Well, and yeah, you mentioned that it's been an opportunity to slow down and not be as stressed. And that's a huge mm-hmm. part of, I think, to find that self-care and self-love, right? It takes the time to slow down and really tune in. Yeah, not be so caught up in the world and work and just chaos of everything and just sit back and be grateful for what you have. So, so thankful that I can be grateful for my health again and not be scared to to write my name or anything like that. So one more question. We've talked so much about all to be grateful for it. I'm wondering what you're grateful for that has gone unspoken. Um, I guess the ability to live my life to its fullest again, I guess is something like I'm grateful for my health and I'm grateful for my family and my boyfriend and I'm grateful for my dogs, of course. Um, um, <laughs> but mostly just that I can live a normal life again. I don't think I could have done that without HSCT. I think I've always, I always would be so scared and fearful. And I think that's the hugest takeaway is that HSCT gives you your life back. Yeah. Now you can go back to New Zealand. Yes. That's actually the long-term plan. I love that you have the insight and experience with different locations and have seen the doctors who are in it for the money and doctors who are in it for the right reasons. And we know that they're all out there, but like, that's the point is the system is so broken. So broken. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like scary, Dr. Like... Burt's putting out a textbook, which is awesome. But medical schools have to pick up the textbook and offer it in their classes mm-hmm. and teach about it. 
anything that makes this easier, like raising the money for it's hard and like getting the money for it's hard for the average person. So if this could be covered by insurance or like there's so many different avenues that need to be covered for this to be. We deserve to have that chance, right? Yeah. I mean, Ocrevus is 100% covered by your insurance. And so why isn't this? And my doctors were so mad at me that I didn't try drugs. And everyone in Mexico was like, wow, you didn't even try drugs. You just went straight to HSCT. And I'm like, I did the research. Like, right. I think being from medicine, meds are scary. It's not what I want to be on for the rest of my life. So, well, and as you mentioned, like they usually lead to other side effects that lead to yeah. more drugs to treat those side effects. Yeah. 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 It's just all a ploy to get you back to seeing your doctor and spending more money and helping big pharma. So well, I'm glad that you've, yeah, I'm glad that you've had the experience, the success with counting on yourself and your research and your own self-advocacy to go through. Well, and you. Yeah. You helped a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and so many, I just really appreciate that you've listened to so many different podcast episodes and so many journeys and so many other warriors that I'm forever grateful for, right? For just sharing their story because without them, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Oh, I definitely would not, would not have done it without, without Facebook and your podcast are the, the main things. Definitely not my doctors. <laughs> they didn't help. But. Well, but thank you for sharing your story. It's amazing to yeah. connect with you and hear your story and share your journey with others. I hope that others find power and inspiration, even in your attention to your own self-care and slowing down and choosing new path ahead all that's new in your path ahead with your recovery and your new job. Yeah, it's definitely a bit scary because I was set in life that my old job was going to be what I was going to do forever. So I think everything kind of happens for a reason and that I needed to step back and I needed to take care of myself and start new. Thank you. See what for, else is out there. So. Well, thank you for seeing that, right? Like, thank you for seeing that life was trying to tell you like you can't this is not sustainable yes a hundred percent I'm so grateful to be on your podcast and hopefully spread my word to people who are very undecisive about HSCT or not because your podcast helped me so so much so I hope that hope that my story and your podcast can help others make the right decision for them agreed thanks so much for being a part of it Welcome to the HSCT family. Thank you. It's very special. Be sure to visit our website where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Alitzauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It has been so great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us 
online, on Instagram, or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician.